When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mallow. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Smora, joined by Max Mallow, and we're here to review a new season of a show that everyone knows, some of us love, some of us have fell off in recent years, some of us is Max, um, and that is American Horror Story Season 10, which is called Double Feature. Yes, yeah, super excited to review the pilot. As Natalie said, I haven't watched an American Horror Story season since... Roanoke, and I skipped Hotel. Was there one? No, because it went Freak Show, Hotel, Roanoke, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. That was the last season I watched. Calls looked interesting. Apocalypse looked really interesting since they brought back like a bunch of yeah. characters. So maybe I'll go back and start watching them because I really like this pilot. I think this season looks really cool. Uh, we'll reveal the title of the first part of the double feature season later on in the episode. So if anybody's interested and they don't want to be spoiled by it, that's your warning now. But overall, two episodes came out. Natalie and I both watched the pilot. I watched the second episode as well, which I really, really liked. And yeah, maybe we'll end up reviewing this entire season because they're shorter. Um, they seem like more concise stories that just kind of get to the point. There's not a lot of wandering, like, what's going on here? What's the whole catch? What's the whole twist this season? Uh, but overall, I like the characters a lot. All of your favorites from American Horror Story are back, and uh, excited to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool, yeah, like Max said, I only watched the first episode just because I watched it when it premiered. It was late at night, and I needed to go to sleep, but I'm excited to watch the next one. So, cool, before we get into our episode, we do have to shout out our friends at Manscaped, who have cleared you off for takeoff with their fourth generation brand new lawnmower 4.0. You'll be off to the next planet with the performance part package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. You can join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20. Yeah, 20% off, free shipping. Fantasy 20, like Natalie said. Uh, and of course, before we get into our review of Double Features Pilot, 
We didn't do it last week because it was a very long episode reviewing True Blood. <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh, we got to do that every other week now. Um, we have to do our weekly horror news roundup where Natalie scoured the internet for everything you need to know when it comes to horror news. And the first piece uh, I saw pop up on my timeline because you tweeted about it and then you ended up putting it in the script. Uh, <laughs> AMC is doing an interview with the Vampire series, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, AMC has a good track record, like Breaking Bad, the first three seasons of The Walking Dead, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I don't know. Interview with a Vampire is like not like a cult movie. Like people, like mm-hmm. it's a, it's a fantastic movie. It's just like why are we making this a series now? I don't know, but it's happening. And an exciting casting announcement because Jacob Anderson, who's a name people are like. Who's Jacob Anderson? Well, everyone should know Jacob Anderson because he played Grey Worm in Game of Thrones. And he's going to be playing Louis uh, in Interview with the Vampire. So, Yeah, I'm really excited. I am a big fan of Jacob Anderson. I think he's a good actor, also a very good singer. He's a good artist. Um, and, yeah, I also really love the movie of Interview with the Vampire. I know we've talked about it when they announced this show um, a few episodes back. And I haven't read the book. So I'm curious to see, you know, if this is going to be more uh, similar to the book or very similar to the movie. Not sure. Maybe I'll read the, the book before this show comes out um, because it doesn't look like, you know, they started filming or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, I have kind of high hopes for the show. I'm definitely very interested so far. Yeah. Um, obviously, Jacob Anderson has done other things. He's been in Doctor Who, uh, a couple shows on Showtime. Um, but... Everyone knows him as being Grey Worm, uh, Grey Worm and Masande, two fan favorite characters and a relationship on the show. Uh, but we have our our Brad Pitt casting now. We just mm-hmm. need our, our Tom Cruise casting. So it'll be interesting to see who they pit alongside Jacob Anderson because as important as Jacob Anderson's casting is, it's going to be really important mm-hmm. to see who they play Lestat because it's the whole thing. Um, and that yeah. relationship will be super important. But I'm super excited because Interview with the Vampire is fantastic. I wonder who they're going to cast in Kirsten Dunst's role. Because yeah. that's also going to be very important. But yeah, uh, it's expected to air on AMC in 2022, which is next year. So as more information comes out, we will tell you guys. And then we'll probably review the pilot when it comes out. And if we like it, we'll review the whole series. I'm assuming it'll be like a... It can't be, like, multiple seasons. I'm not sure. So I think they're trying to do... So I know that... um, I think they might do, like, multiple shows uh, based on the books. Hmm. Because in this Hollywood Reporter article that we're looking at, it says that the show is expected to air 2022. It'll help launch a franchise based on Rice's novels. Right. Obviously, Anna Rice wrote Interview with the Vampire. Mm Mm-hmm. And AMC is not really, like, it makes its money off of its long-running shows. Even yeah. though Walking Dead is ending soon, which is surprising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's going to be Walking Dead movie, there's going to be more spinoffs and stuff like that. And it's one of the biggest multimedia franchises in the entire world. So, yeah, like I said, we'll keep you up to date with more information on that. Uh, and then, in the Netflix world, uh, this article from Deadline, uh, Marlon Wayans is going to star and produce a untitled Halloween adventure comedy for Netflix. Now, I love the Wayans Brothers. They're amazing. Uh, scary Movie was like mm-hmm. my childhood. 
even though like after three, they're really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and horror comedies on Netflix, I'm thinking like The Babysitter. You don't like that movie. <laughs> it's uh, okay. I haven't seen the second one. There's definitely a like audience for this, and I'm yeah. Like we're both in that audience group, so I'm just hopeful this is good because more horror comedy is always a good thing. Yeah, and I feel like too, there's not many Netflix original Halloween movies. There's like Hooby Halloween with Adam Sandler. Oh no. And like there's not there's not many that are at least, you know, for for an adult audience. So I'm curious to see, you know, if this is good or not. Um, like you said, Wayne's brothers are awesome. Also a big part of my childhood with the scary movie movies. Um so I'm excited to see, you know, what this could be. Netflix needs more original Halloween content. Agreed. Um, obviously, Marlon was in the the new Aretha Franklin movie, uh, Respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, after the scary movies, like, were popular. Like, we got four and five and all the ones after that. But then there was, like, a superhero movie. Yeah, all those. The, the Twilight spoof. <laughs> and the Hunger Games spoof. I hated it all. <laughs> and then there was like uh, the Haunted House movies. Yep. Uh, which were kind of spoofing Paranormal Activity. Like, Scary Movie had, as itself was great because it was a conglomeration of all the popular mm-hmm. like franchises based on one. Like, obviously the first one is based on Scream. The third one has the, the primary feature of, uh, of Signs being the whole catalyst and the ring. Mm-hmm. But then, like, even in the third one, they spoof Eight Mile. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> interesting. Like, Eight Mile and Signs are two very different movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I hope this is good. Um, obviously, like, White Chicks is still a, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen because mm-hmm. it's just like whenever whenever it was on TV, it was like TBS, <laughs> FX. TNT, whatever it was on, you had to watch it when you were mm-hmm. a kid. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep you up to date with more information on that as it is announced. Two kind of big announcements here because Interview of the Vampire is a huge like property. Yeah, like botching that is bad. Don't botch. That. <laughs> I know, especially because the movie was such a success too. Right, and like if you botch that. No one's going to really care if you adapt any more Anne Rice novels because they'll mm-hmm. know that one was bad. And Marlon Wayans is like a huge part of a, a lot of people's childhoods. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Halloween action comedy, Netflix. We need more of that because Fear Street was great. More good horror media on Netflix is always welcomed. Uh, but yeah, that's your weekly horror news roundup. Ice Nine Kills did not drop a new song, so that's why it's not in this segment. Sad. Yeah, but as soon as they do drop a new song, I'll be sure to let everybody know. Maybe next week. I hope so, because, you know, album comes out uh, in October. TikTok, come on. More singles. Let's go. Cool. Yeah, so let's get into our review of the first episode of American Horror Story Season 10 Double Feature. The first episode is called Cape Fear, and I think it's a pretty appropriate title for what goes on here. 
Um, so we get kind of our first introduction of the protagonist of this season. It's a family. They're on their way to uh, presumably their new home. They're in the car driving. We have Harry, who is played by Finn Whitrock, a American Horror Story alum. Doris, who is played by Lily Rabe, also American Horror Story alum, and then their young daughter named Alma. And we get kind of a pretty cool opening scene where, like I said, they're driving and they see kind of, you know, roadkill and the daughter is counting <laughs> the roadkill that she sees as they're, as they're driving, which immediately I was like, all right, the daughter, the daughter is evil. Did you get any of those vibes? Oh too? yeah, it's straight up out of Children of the Corn. Like they just <laughs> picked her up and was like, all right, get in the car. You're creepy. Um, and it's like so weird too, because you're just like, one. Yeah. Two. And you're like, what are you? And we're thinking exactly what Lily Rabe is thinking. And she's like, what are you counting? And she's like, roadkill. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but um, I love the the opening scene here. Uh, it gave me like Murder House vibes. Like mm-hmm. I, like I said, I, mi- I missed out on a couple seasons, but I love the dynamic of just focusing on a family and mm-hmm. building out those characters and getting them into this world. And, and how each character kind of branches off into their own journey, right? That, that was so great about Murder House. That's why it's the best season of the show. Um, Finn Witchrock is great. Uh, you know, obviously, I think he debuted as Dandy Mott, right? Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lily Rabe's been in the show since the beginning. Uh, and I don't know if there's a connection here, but obviously there was another, another character named Alma uh, in Asylum who was... Yeah. Evan Peters' wife that got abducted by the aliens, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, so much to remember. Um, obviously, it seems like the time periods don't line up for that, but yeah. you never know with American Horror Story. Anything <laughs> and everything could be connected. Um, but as they're kind of driving, uh, there's a little bit of a jump scare. As she uh, gets to 10, counting the roadkill, Alma, um, they stop in the middle of the road, and there's a deer 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 um and deer's got like bite marks on it you're like what the heck is going on here um finn or harry i gotta start it's so easy to call american horror story characters by their actors names because you know they're in like every Always season changing yeah. right uh but harry gets out of the car inspects the roadkill he's like yeah that's roadkill gets back in the car uh, and they drive away and as they're driving the the roadkill gets pulled off screen little bit of a chalkboard type of sound and we get that iconic american horror story opening which i like i saw you tweeted about that you're like oh the goosebumps when that like theme song plays and i was like i haven't heard it in forever what does it sound like and then as soon as it kicked in i was like wow like this is like this is an iconic theme song i know i missed it so much and i have been watching american horror stories which has it, but I've been watching it just on Hulu. I didn't watch it live. So it's different when you, like, sit down and you're like, all right, well, I watched this last night. But I was like, sit down, get ready. It's 10 p.m. The vibes are already spooky. The lights are out. And here's the song. It just honestly always takes you back to, you know, the early seasons and watching it and all the memories that you have associated with those early seasons. So definitely like already a nostalgic factor even though the show hasn't been around alone for that long like we're in the 10th season it's been a long it's been around for a while but 
not like this is like something from the 90s that I should be getting nostalgic about. Yeah, it's not like, it's not that or it's not like The Office or anything like that. Um, like, I remember when I watched Murder House. Mm-hmm. It was winter in between fresh uh, the two semesters during my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And me and my roommate, Jimmy, we binged Murder House because we knew Asylum was coming out. And, like, we got through it. And then, like, I have, like, very vivid memories of, like, everyone getting together in our common room mm-hmm. and, like, sitting down. And as soon as that theme song kicks in, the vibes, like, changed. And yeah. It's, it's so good. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and right at the end of the opening credits for this season, obviously we know it's American Horror Story double feature. But is the season called Double Feature? Like, is that what's going to show on the title card? No. Uh, We have an official subtitle for this season. And like I said, spoiler warning at the beginning of the show, if you didn't want to know, now is the time to leave. Go watch the episode come back. Uh, It is called Red Tide. Yeah, interesting. I think after watching just the first episode, I kind of know what it could be. But also in the beginning, it's like, no idea. So, interesting. Yeah. Also, do you see the poster? Mm, I don't think so. There was So, I went on um, Wikipedia to look at the, the casting for the season. Because mm-hmm. there's a character we'll mention who I was like, is that who I think it is? And I messaged you when I was watching it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the poster for the season is obviously double featured. And we mentioned when it was announced that... The tagline was "Story by the Sea, Story by the Sand," and we were like, "Okay, yeah. so like, does it take place right on the line <laughs> of the beach?" <laughs> so confused. And there was like photos that came out of Evan Peters and Francis Conroy walking on a beach together in like very fancy garb, and we we're like, "Is this just all on the beach?" We're so confused. Mm-hmm. Um, but the poster is cut into two. The top half is a desert-looking scene with like an alien head. Okay, and, I'm looking at it now. And the bottom half is like this like fanged creature mouth. And it's like sunny, nighttime, cool artwork going on here. And we wonder if they're kind of related in some way. But it seems yeah. by the sea, by the sand means desert and ocean. Yeah. So haven't been to the desert, but there's <laughs> definitely sand in the desert. So... Not the entire story takes place on the beach, but it seems that this is the, as we'll get into it, this half of the season is part of the bottom image Mm -hmm. of that poster. I see it. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. I wish we could just binge them all right now. I'm terrible, I know, Uh, but... Same, 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 same. (laughs) Um, But cool, yeah. So, of course, like we said, we get our iconic theme song, Couldn't Be a Season Without It. And then we kind of learn a little bit more background about the main family. And I completely agree. We had, you know, murder house vibes. We get to know a new family who's moving into a new house. You know, we've seen it before. But this time around, um, we find out that Harry, he's a writer, um, and he needs a quiet place to write a pilot screenplay, while Doris is kind of a budding interior designer uh, looking for, you know, experience. Someone found her on Instagram and said, you can stay in this house if you uh, design it. So cool, convenient enough. Um, and they're staying in uh, Cape Cod during the off season. So a lot of things are closed. It's very, very quiet. And that's 
pretty much what they're looking for. Right. And it is uh, told to us by what I'm assuming is the caretaker of the house generally, uh, is mm-hmm. that they're renting the house from the, oh, I forget their name. I can't remember the name, the family's name, but the family. Mm-hmm. I don't, they're not too important, it seems here, but um, there's like jokes about what to do around town, don't do this, don't do that, and most mm-hmm. importantly, since they're in Cape Cod, don't imitate a Boston accent. <laughs> Jeff's like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but, you know, they get out of the car when they get there and they look at the house. And I'm looking at the house. I'm like, that thing looks haunted. And then yeah. Alma goes, the house looks haunted. And I was like, yo, girl, we're on the same. Like, I don't count roadkill, like, on family trips. But, like, you know, <laughs> we're on the same same wavelength here. Um, they kind of set up around the house. Uh, I started to get, like, I was like, this kind of feels like The Shining a little bit. You know, yes, right that's goes immediately away. what I thought of. Mm-hmm. Immediately what I thought of, definitely. Um, so yeah, uh, Harry's setting up, you know, trying to get his motivation to, to, to write his screenplay. Um, Doris is, as we, we find out, uh, very pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks like she's uh, ready to give birth. It's not described to us exactly how far along she is in her pregnancy, uh, but... I've seen both episodes. I've seen the preview for the next episode. So that's what I'm confident in saying what I'm saying. Um, no spoilers. Yeah, she's about to pop. <laughs> no, no spoilers. Um, and Alma is a violinist. Uh, and she uh, likes to practice throughout the day. Um, and yeah, it's like, okay, that's our family dynamic. Explained. Nothing too in-depth. Uh, mm-hmm. But enough to get the, the season off to a start. Yeah, and I think it's cool, too, how if we're going to compare this to Murder House, because, like, why wouldn't we? Everything happens in Murder House, like, in the home. So, you know, they move in and creepy stuff starts happening to them. They don't even go anywhere. Like, Violet goes to school. That's about it. But in this, um, immediately, it kind of seems like their home is a safe base for them because uh, Harry is like, all right, I'm going to go into town. I'm going to go to the market and get some things. Um, and from there, the, the threat certainly begins. Um, he's at, you know, the supermarket. There's no one there because they're in off season. So literally no one's in town. Um, and we get the introduction of a character named Karen, who is played by Sarah Paulson. Love her to death, but I'm not sure about this character. Just a little bit too exaggerated for me but we'll see first episode um she's definitely very very disheveled disheveled she's very adamant and yelling that uh harry needs to get out of town don't stay here and harry's just like what the hell this is off season no one's supposed to be here and now there's a crazy woman yelling at me like what is happening yeah also like they they talk about how people go to the Hamptons or stuff like that during the, the off season to write and get away from the city, you know, establish that our family, the gardeners are from New York city. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that it's normally 60,000, but around this time of year, it gets down to 30,000. So not a small amount, but you definitely get the vibe from the first couple of, of, uh, of scenes of uh, just walking through the neighborhood that, the town is deserted, which is a little weird. Yeah. It's a little weird because like thirty thousand is not like nobody. 
Mm-hmm. But it definitely looks like it's just the gardeners and like five other people in town. Yeah, no, it definitely seems like a ghost town for sure. Um, so yeah, at the uh, at the supermarket, uh, they call her uh, he or, tuberculosis Karen for whatever reason. Obviously, tuberculosis is like a theme in American Horror Story because that's what the asylum was built to to deal with was tuberculosis patients. Um, and Harry meets the owner of the, the supermarket and they, they chat a little bit and he's like, yeah, you're, that's tuberculosis, Karen. I don't think she has tuberculosis, but that's what we call her. And I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. I wasn't too big on that whole introduction. I don't know. It kind of took me out of the scene. I thought it was a little bit goofy. I don't know. It was just a little much for me. Yeah. It's a little cheesy jump scare. And she's also Mm -hmm. like cursing her like mouth off. She's like, fuck face, get out of here you motherfucking fuckface and I'm like whoa <laughs> that was out of nowhere um, but we'll, we'll get more of Karen throughout the season I'm sure um, there's also this kind of narrative established that the town is overrun by opioid addicts uh, allegedly in the off season so yeah. again it's a ghost town of 30,000 people who are overrun by opioid addicts okay Cool. Setting the, the stage has been set for the town of Cape Cod. Um, I don't Never know. Going there. Yeah, I, I get, well, fictional Cape Cod. I'm sure <laughs> actual Cape Cod is uh, doesn't appear to be a ghost town like it does in yeah. this show. Um, but the uh, the next thing that kind of kicks everything off, which is bizarre mm-hmm. as hell, um, is Doris and Alma go for a walk through town, uh, and they're just kind of chatting about like you know, life and stuff like that and being here. And they stumble across a graveyard, uh, which obviously in horror movies, TV shows, not a good place to be. Yeah. Let's just go to the graveyard. Um, and there's just like this Nosferatu looking dude (laughs) and he's like cracking his back and he's like doing creepy movements. Like he's like a zombie or something or, I guess, an opioid addict, as they're just describing. This town is overrun by. Um, And he just starts, like, chasing after them. And this dude is creepy as hell. And I'm just like, holy cow, a pregnant woman and her daughter are about to die to this crazy Nosferatu-looking dude. Yeah, I really love this scene. I think it was one of my favorites, just because I think, like you said, it kind of kickstarts everything. And this is when I was really, like, perked up. Like, okay, it's happening. Here we go. Also, things that happen in broad daylight and they're still scary are just the scariest things of all to me. Just because I'm imagining myself, I'm never walking in a graveyard, sorry, but just walking down the street and this happening to me, I was, it's like, it makes me so uncomfortable to think about it. So I thought this was awesome. And I love too how, of course, we don't know who this person creature thing is. He looks like a freaking vampire, but you know, he could just be a creepy guy. And I think that's what um, Doris thinks at first she sees a guy and it's like, all right, let's walk away now. You know, just a creepy guy in the graveyard. Let's not give him any attention. That's what I thought at first. He was just going to be a weird guy in town. But then, like, the it starts getting, you know, tense, more tense. And then you see the, no, he's actually about to freaking chase you down. So I thought that was awesome, just kind of building up that that tension there. Yeah. Uh, a lot to go on here. Uh, and it doesn't, like, I like that effect that 
obviously it's going to be a shorter season when it comes to episodes for this one mm-hmm. red tide story they're doing with the double feature season. But I like that it just throws you into it immediately. It's a little jarring at first because you're kind of like, okay, cool, they're going to Cape Cod to <laughs> to write in a quiet town. Oh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and it's just like the husband's being attacked by tuberculosis Karen in the middle of the supermarket where there's nobody else in the supermarket. It's just him and tuberculosis Karen and mm-hmm. the owner. And then <laughs> the mother and daughter are like, okay, what, like, we're getting chased by Nosferatu. Time to leave. And also what I liked was that they didn't do, like, some stupid, like, we're being chased by this guy. And then Harry goes to check outside and they're like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. no, that's a guy. That's a real thing. It's not like a mirage or like some spooky guy who just flew away. It's like, this guy is real and he's already attacking you. I love that. It's just, there's no kind of twist or anything like that in the beginning. Even though they do that a little later, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also agree. I was kind of thinking for a second, like, oh no, they're going to get there and then he didn't actually exist or something like that. That would have been annoying, but no, it's it's a literal real threat. And you know, vampire or monster aside, it is a real guy that's chasing you. So that's freaking scary. They did a good job. So let's get into our first uh, quick break, and then we'll be right back to keep talking about the episode. Yeah. So I also just love how when they came back, obviously he was still you know chasing them, and um, there was another door. That needed to be locked and Harry ran to go close the door. I was like at the edge of my seat at this point. Um, I figured they would be okay, but you never know. I'm not attached to these characters yet. Yeah. I mean, we're attached to the actors. Yeah. <laughs> um, and all I know of Finn Whitrock, since I believe the only season I watched that he was in was Freak Show. Because mm-hmm. I know he's in other ones, but I just haven't seen those yet. Um Dandy Mod is an evil dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's an evil mother effer. Um, but he's obviously our main protagonist here. And you just, I don't know. He's got, he's got nice hair. I was like, <laughs> don't kill the guy with nice hair. Um, and then we get an introduction of the local police force, uh, another AHS veteran, and also a True Blood veteran. Um, hey, Adina Porter uh, plays the... The lead, I guess she's the the captain or yeah, chief police or something. Right. Uh, she had a job in Oakland. Yes, she was Oakland PD. She said for like fifteen years or something like that, I believe. And she ended up taking this job, and she explains why she did because it's like it's a quiet town, mm-hmm. nothing happens. It's really just opioid addicts. <laughs> And that's about it, uh, as she kind of explains. And in doing so, Harry is just like, he's just like over anxious, which like I kind of appreciate because they just got attacked by this creepy looking dude. And he's like, so I Googled Cape Cod murders and this murder story came up about how a family of five was murdered in their sleep. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, cool. Like our characters are smart. They're not idiots. Um, But Chief... Uh, is like, I think she's the chief, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, is just like, yeah, well, people think that was attached to like organized crime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, quiet town, 30,000 <laughs> people, nothing but opioid addicts. 
so, you know, kind of calming them down a little bit, but also the anxiety is still there. Um, in doing so, they try to kind of get over it. Uh, Harry and Doris plan to go out to dinner, but in doing so, which is like also, they, they, they kind of flip-flop a little bit here. Like mm-hmm. we get we get smart characters and then just like eh, whatever like dumb characters. Yeah. Um, Harry and Doris want to go out to dinner, and Alma's like, "Okay, like, yeah. who's gonna babysit me?" And they invite the lady who's caretaking over the house to come over and babysit. And again, that seems like a dumb move. You don't know her, and he's like, "She's a nice lady. I'm sure yeah. she doesn't moonlight as a babysitter." And I'm like, "Bro, you've met." five people in this town chief of police owner of the supermarket tk karen (laughs) nosferatu and the caretaker that's five people um so whatever that's their plan but in doing so doris ends up getting sick she throws up she doesn't feel well to go to the to the restaurant Mm -hmm. and he goes by himself uh and we get two scenes that kind of run adjacent here um, with the restaurant and what's going on at home. And the restaurant scene, we get more world building, which I really appreciate. It also kind of kickstarts everything that we're going to find out with this season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was excited for Harry to kind of get into town. They say, like, there's only one restaurant open in town, and it's probably bad, but they want to have a fun date night. Yeah. Like, yeah, right after you were just chased down. Sure. Great idea, but so here he goes alone. Um, he's there, and he, you know, gets a drink by the bar, and then we meet Mr. Old Macaulay Culkin, who plays the role of Mikey. He's kind of like hitting on him a little bit, and don't know much about him. Don't get too much of his character, but I hope we get more because Macaulay Culkin is great and seems like an interesting character so far. So we get him, um, and Harry's not about it. He's like, no, I'm married to a woman. You know, leave me alone. Goes to the host and is like, I have a reservation. And it's like, then why'd you go and sit at the bar then? I know, and right? before telling the host you had a reservation, who was ready to see you because there's two people in this place because it's off season. Yeah. <laughs> that whole scene is just like, he's like... <laughs> I'm I'm cheap. I don't I don't cost that much. This is Macaulay Culkin's character, and Harry's <laughs> like, I'm married <clears throat> to a woman, and I'm like, Bro, what? <laughs> it's just like weird dialogue. That just like again, it's yeah. a little bit of flip flopping when it comes to our character development because they seem really smart in some aspects and just really dumb in others, mm-hmm. and doesn't really work like that. Like, you can't be like, all right, let's get out of town. We just got attacked by a crazy guy. And I'm worried for our safety. And then you're just like, I'm going to dinner at the only restaurant in town that's open that I assume is bad, but I'm going. Um, so, yeah, we get that little bit of a convo there between Harry and Mikey. And then we get a dance number, kind of, <laughs> sort of. It's a, it's a sing song. And I'm just like messaging. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because Francis Conroy and Evan Peters are in this restaurant singing a duet. Yeah. And they're just there. And I loved it. <laughs> it it's, it's amazing. But I'm just also like, okay, this is getting weird quick, which is good. Which is good. Like, I don't want the people to think that's a bad thing. And I know you agree with me, but it's just, it's getting weird. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think this is, this is a fun scene, too, just to kind of show off, I guess, their personalities a little bit, too. 
was just so excited to see Evan Peters back on my screen. Also love Francis Conroy. Both of them are, you know, major staples in this franchise. So they're performing a song, um, and it's fun. Yeah, that's how, that's how we get introduced to these two characters, who are, of course, like we know, icons in this entire franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, after the song. Um, Harry gets called over to their table uh, because mm-hmm. they buy him a drink. And Austin, who is Evan Peters, uh, Austin Summers, starts talking to him and is like, you're a writer. And he's like, how'd you know that? He goes, nobody comes here <laughs> unless they're a writer. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. Um, and Austin Summers is a award-winning playwright. Uh, Francis Conroy, who we haven't met yet, says he's won like three Tonys and a Peabody. So, Mm -hmm. very successful person. Uh, Very pale looking. Um, Yes. And then Frances Conroy finally introduces herself. uh, And I don't remember her actual name because Michael said that'll make sense in a second here. But she Mm -hmm. says, hi, I'm blah, 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 blah. Uh, But I write under the pseudonym Belle Noir. Mm -hmm. And Harry's like, no shit, you're Belle Noir. And I'm like, holy shit. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> hey, yeah. hey. Uh, but Belle Noir apparently is a award-winning, super famous romance novel novelist. Um, so they sit down, they have a chit-chat, they become a little bit friendly. Um, but that's uh, that's what goes on in the restaurant. Um, yeah. I think it's cool, too, just because you can tell that Basically, since they've been at the house, which hasn't been long, but Harry hasn't gotten any work done at all, hasn't written anything, seems super uninspired. I think when he meets, you know, these two writers, they're talking to him, you know, they're they're socializing with him. It makes him feel good and it makes him feel inspired of like, oh, you guys come here to write. There has to be something here. And they kind of have this conversation of like all the people who are here are inspirational because, you know, they're just characters and then Karen comes in making a scene again and, you know, they kind of say, you know, they pity her and she's inspirational as an author because, you know, she's got a lot going on. So I think from this meeting, Harry's kind of like, all right, maybe this will be good for me after all, even though this vampire guy just chased my family down. Right. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, Harry ends up going home uh, and while they're home... Uh, Alma, either it was the night before or the same, I believe it was the night before, um, looks out uh, yeah. a window yeah, in her room and sees now they've multiplied Nosferatu. Uh, there's a bunch of them and they're all doing like creepy <laughs> neck bouncing around, back cracking stuff, just hanging out outside of her window. And Alma screams. And this is where I said they, again, they kind of do some like stupid tropes because... Yeah. Doris is like, or Harry runs in and Doris is like, what's up? And he goes, she said she saw those guys outside her room. And he goes and peeks out the window. And I'm sure this is like 20 minutes after the fact. And they're not there anymore. And he's like, there's nobody there. And I'm like, dude. Come on. I know. I, I find it so annoying when that happens. I feel like it would be so much scarier if they like looked out and they were still there. Like, But I love that part, too. Like you said, they multiply and they're in the group. Yeah. They're just, you know, the boys, and I loved it. Yeah, super uh, super funny if you're just, like, able to have a laugh when watching horror. Yeah. Um, 
But, yeah, after he gets home from the restaurant, uh, they're kind of just enjoying a night. Um, and he hears a knocking in the kitchen at one of the windows. Uh, what's up, right? Who's knocking at the window? Uh, guess what? It's Nosferatu, if you were surprised. Uh, but he ends up breaking into the house, uh, and a brawl goes down, which is like, holy cow. Okay, we went from chasing to stalking outside their window to a full-on family invasion assault very yeah. quickly yeah definitely it moves really fast i also love to the one scene where harry's like looking at like the window cracked or something and then you see just like a, a silhouette of someone in the background and i was like yay things are happening yeah very cool uh we get a little bit of a fight scene um which you don't really know which way it's going to go at this point yeah um, you know, don't put anything past American Horror Story. Just kill off a character right then and there. Um, but Harry does get the upper hand on Nosferatu. That's what we're going to call him. That's just what, yeah. Yeah, and there might be multiple, but they're all Nosferatu. Um, and he ends up killing him with... Looks to be like a coat stand. Yeah. Um, or like a fire fireplace oh, tool. Something. But it's got like three legs on the bottom, and it's steel... And he bashes his face in. And I'm like, holy cow, he just killed somebody in their new house in a town mm -hmm. of 30,000 people full of opioid addicts. And now their home is not safe anymore. Not Confirmed. at all. Yeah, time to time to get out of town. Uh, they got the town, time to get out of town. Uh, you know, they went to the market. <laughs> I don't know why. There's like, don't imitate a Boston accent while you're here. It's like, I wasn't going to, yeah, but no okay. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. <laughs> um, the next day, uh, obviously dealing with the fact that they just killed somebody uh, in their new house, uh, Adina Porter, uh, the police chief, comes back and he's like, do I need a lawyer or something like that? And the chief is like, uh, no. It's like, someone broke and entered into your house and you killed somebody in self-defense. And she's like, Massachusetts isn't Texas, but it's self-defense. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, why would you think you need a lawyer? But again, I don't know the law and stuff like that. But it seemed pretty clear cut that it was like, okay, self-defense. I didn't think they were going to do a whole series, a whole five episodes about a law plot about a breaking and entering. It's like, it seemed like a stupid question out of Harry. It also was just like, it seemed dumb to like include in the episode. It's like, just in case anyone was wondering, they're not going to get a lawyer. Right, it's just weird dialogue. Um, mm -hmm. But all they, you know, they got to fill an hour, and there's yeah. commercials. Um, but yeah, that gets settled, and again, a dumb character move followed by a good character move because Harry and Doris are like, "Cool, we're getting out of here, we're leaving," mm -hmm. and I'm like, "Okay, thank God, just please leave, please, like, just get out of this town." Um, but as he's packing up his things, he gets a call from Mister Austin Summers. Mm -hmm. And then Peters, he's like, Harry, come on over. I got something to fix your writer's block. And he's like, oh, crap. Nothing's more important than getting my family out of town. But I do need to fix my writer's block. So he heads to, to Mr. Summers' house, which is very cool inside. Yeah. yeah. Very, like, swanky looking place. I loved how, yeah, they're, like, so frantic. Just killed someone. Like, we got to get out of town. We're getting ready. 
And of course, like just him being selfish, he's like looks around before he leaves and he's like, all right, I'm on my way. As if it would take two minutes to go there and back and no one would notice. And he has no, no clue where he lives, how far it is from his house that he's no. staying at. It's, it's, again. Jerk move. Right. And also I'm sure his family's like, did you have to go do this right now? Like, we got to leave. Um, but... It's American Horror Story. You can't take it too seriously. We're going to nitpick the hell out of it for the sake of comedy. Mm-hmm. Because we like laughing about things. And it's oh, yeah. But, you know, we're not just like, this is terrible. Um, no, no, no. I still enjoyed it. But, of yeah, course, same. there are some things that you're like, eh. Right. It's hard not to, you know, do a podcast and critique things. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, we'd just be like, Harry enters house. Harry encountered by Nosferatu. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he goes over there, over to Austin's. Uh, like you said, it's a really cool place. Um, very interesting design and setup, but this guy is apparently, you know, famous and rich and everything, so I didn't question it too much. Um, and then Austin kind of presents him with, you know, I know how to get rid of your writer's block. I know exactly how, you know, you're going to be successful with, you know, your pilot, your screenplay. I have all the answers, and it's in these little black pills and harry's kind of like are you fucking with me like what is it like i don't even remember what he says acid or something like that and i was like what are you talking about yeah um but he's just like naming a bunch of random drugs that he's heard of and it's like which one is it you know and austin's like no like just i don't know what it is but it works so (laughs) just do it (laughs) but just like i could like believe like that just happening being like yeah i don't know what's in it but Look at me. I've won three yeah. Tonys and a Peabody. It works. Um, yeah, he's like, what is it, speed? <laughs> yeah, I'm speed. like, yeah, dude, he's just giving you a bunch of speed. Like, He's like, a microdose of LSD? <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know a lot about drugs, don't you, Mr. Harry? <laughs> he's like, I tried to write on Cyclobin once. Oh, yeah. Every, everything turned out shit. <laughs> I was like, okay, so why are you even entertaining the idea of taking drugs? <laughs> I know. I think, like, I like Harry just because I love Finn Whitrock, but, like, some of his dialogue is a little questionable. He just seems, like, too serious at times, but then also an idiot at times. But that's fine. First episode, we're fine. Um, So, yeah, that happens. I guess apparently he does take the pills because then we kind of get back to um, Harry's back at home, again, trying to pack, trying to leave. Um, And when, is it his secretary that calls him? Someone that works with him and is expecting, you know, to find out what kind of progress he's made on the screenplay. Yeah. Um, I find out in the second episode what her name is. Um, Okay. I don't think they mentioned in the first episode, but her name is Ursula. Okay. Um, And... She's like, yeah, you can't leave. He's like, I gotta go back to New York City. We'll figure something out. Maybe I'll go to the Hamptons or something like that. And I'm like, okay, dude. Like, you're a struggling writer who's, like, apparently not making it yet in the big time. Yeah, how are you gonna afford that? I'm just gonna go to the Hamptons. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, she's like, no, you need to stay. Don't come back until you have something. If you don't do this, you'll never recover or it'll take you a long time, even if you do... Mm-hmm. Um, and during that whole phone conversation, I'm just like, dude, mention the fact that <laughs> somebody broke into your house you killed. and you murdered somebody in self-defense. And he doesn't say that. He's just like getting, letting himself be bullied by his agent. And I'm like, dude, 
what is going on here? Stand up for yourself. And like, I know you mentioned it about the the dialogue and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And it's like a trade-off because obviously we know this is a shorter season. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's like, we, can, we can't really fault it too much because I kind of got to speed things along here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, which I like. Uh, but after the phone call with his, his agent, he's like starting to succumb to the fears of, you know, pressure from his his agent, uh, the murder that he kind of just happened to be a part of. Yeah, that's um, like crashed under the rug. Right. Um, and all the anxieties and everything going on in his head, and he's just like, you know what, screw it. And he takes the pills out of his pocket from Austin, pops one in his mouth, and... Here we go. Yeah. It's like, oh, all righty. Um, but while all that's going on, uh, we notice that there was a scene after the restaurant while uh, TK was out there scrambling for some food in a, in a dumpster. Uh, she gets a phone call. And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> Why does she have a phone? You know? It's just like, yeah. fl- flips open a cell phone. It's like, hello? <laughs> He's like, I don't want to do it. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> um, but she was asked by Belle Noir to carry out a task um, because we get very weird vibes out of Belle Noir when a night after the restaurant, I believe, or mm-hmm. directly after the restaurant, she goes home with Mikey, uh, Macaulay Culkin, and they're having a conversation in bed. And he's like, it's going to be, it's going to cost you extra for the sex and stuff like that. And then he like starts to get kind of perturbed by it. And he's like, I don't, he's like, no, you almost killed me last time. And I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. what the hell? Uh, but in doing so, all this conversation leads to the fact that she's like, I'll suck you or something like that. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, but she takes something off of her necklace, uh, cuts open uh, Macaulay Culkin's arm or finger or something like that. Yeah, I think his arm. And just starts sucking the blood out of his arm. And you're like, you vampires. <laughs> yep. I know, right? When he said, like, you almost killed me, I was like, oh, vampire, just because I'm stuck in, you know, rewatching True Blood. <laughs> and it, that's already where my mind is. So I was like, oh, she's, like, almost drained him or something. Right, that's what I thought, too. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely startling because she pulls the thing off of her necklace to go cut his arm. And then she reveals this mouth full of fangs mm-hmm. that look similar to the Nosferatu's that have been following around the Gardner family. So you're like, hmm. Interesting. Is she the queen? Is she controlling the army? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Well, I do know because I watched the next episode. <laughs> but uh, super interesting uh, going on there. Um, and yeah, Karen, the task was the fact that Belle Noir called her and had her do something for her. She comes by uh, in payment for what appears to be heroin, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, hands her over this kind of cloth and you're like, what the hell? And you hear a in the captions, baby sounds. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, and she hands over a baby to Belle Noir, who we know is a blood-sucking something. <laughs> We're just mm-hmm. like, whoa, oh God. <laughs> Where did this baby come from? <laughs> In a town of 30,000 people full of opioid addicts. <laughs> I know. I'm really curious how she carried that out. So it seemed pretty quickly, but also who knows. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking obviously that 
the the main suspicion here is that they eat babies or maybe they want babies baby vampires to grow up and and continue the line see i know but i can't tell you yeah exactly it would be spoilers and can vampires have kids no because they're dead right you know natalie i think it depends on the media because vampires aren't real I know, I know, but you're like, you're traditional. I'm thinking, like, why would they need a baby if they weren't going to eat it? Well, let's see. Edward impregnated Bella. Yeah. So. I feel like that doesn't make sense. If you're dead, how can you reproduce? He also sparkled in the sun. (laughs) Yeah, he could go outside during the day. It doesn't count. Right. Uh, it's it's uh, yeah. I I would like talk to you about it, like even after we finish recording, and be like, "Here's what happens." Like, if you weren't too interested in the season, but I really liked this pilot, mm-hmm. and the next episode is really good. So I, like I don't want to like spoil it. I want to like maybe keep doing this, <clears throat> either either put True Blood on hold and finish the season, depending on how the next episode is, uh, mm-hmm. and if you really like the next episode, um, but. Yeah, it, a very good pilot in my opinion, and it sets up whatever, however many episodes this is going to be, uh, pretty well. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. I really did like um, this episode, and like you said, you know, it sets up what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen, but I'm really, really interested to see the second episode. I'm going to watch it later um, and let you know what I think, but... Yeah, I think it was pretty solid. I wasn't completely sold. Like, I wouldn't say, I would probably say it's like a 7 or an 8 out of 10 in my opinion. Especially because I feel like they've just been chasing Murder House every season. Like, they're trying to make it happen again. And it's like, it's not going to happen again. Like, they reference it in American Horror Stories. They have in Coven, or sorry, in Apocalypse, they go back to Murder House. Which I thought was awesome. But, like, all of it together... It's just like, stop trying to make Murder House happen. It's not going to happen. But I did enjoy this fairly well, and I am excited to keep watching. Yeah, maybe because I haven't watched the past couple of seasons that I was like yeah. excited for this. Um, even when you're like, let's review the pilot. I was like, I guess if I have to. Um, <laughs> and after watching, I was like, okay, cool. Let's review the entire season. Yes, I have to. Yeah, it's... it's, it's um, Exciting. I think it's like a breath of fresh air. I totally understand how this franchise has like a massive following. Mm-hmm. And like the diehard fans love it every season. They have the same cast, more or less, that they get to follow and they fell in love with over the past couple seasons. I say couple. This is number 10. 10. <laughs> um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. It's like Murder House is so good. And I really liked Roanoke, and I thought Roanoke was the closest they got to hitting the same high as mm-hmm. Murder House. Even though people really liked Asylum, I really liked Coven. Freak Show didn't do it for me. Freak Show was too freaky with all the the, the freaks in the carnival and all the like uh, practical effects they did with like. I thought it was like just more of a drama. They had so many singing numbers, and I was like, Yeah, I wasn't also like super into. Um, horror when freak show came out okay and i remember seeing what's his name twisty Twisty when he you know the his mouth yeah i was like okay i'm done (laughs) (laughs) um but i'm sure if i go back and watch it now 
I really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I uh, it's a really strong opening uh, for a season, and I do like the fact that I think we mentioned this when they announced it was a double feature. It was like if you don't get into it for the first like couple episodes of the American Horror Story season, you're just mm-hmm. done with it because yeah, it's one story. I like the yeah. fact that this story, if people didn't like it, it'll be over soon, and they can get right into the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they're connected, you're going to have to go back and watch Red Tide anyway. But I thought they did a good job. I mean, the IMDb reviews for it, uh, mm-hmm. out of 321 people who decided to go in and put in a star rating, has that at a 9.1 out of 10, um, which is pretty good. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a 9. Um, you said seven, right? Yeah, seven or eight, seven point five. Yeah, seven always seems harsh. It's like I enjoyed it. Right. It's like five is average. Four is less than average. Six is like better than average. Yeah. Slightly. But still not good. Right. I think seven point five is where I'd also go. Um, though I would give the second episode an eight. I think I think I really like the second episode. Um, and yeah, like. The, the great thing about this show and what makes it so easy to get into every season, if you're a fan of it, is that mm-hmm. it's the same cast of, you know, it's the same regular faces playing new characters. And there's not that, like, level of buying into the actor or the character they're kind of portraying. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know who Lily Rabe is, and whoever Lily Rabe is playing, you're going to be interested in it because mm-hmm. you love her. And same thing with Finn Whitrock. Evan Peters. I know you tweeted out that thing of like the guy getting out of his chair and like holding onto his back, and you're like Evan Peters carrying this show ten seasons later. Um, yep, love it's, him. It's like Tate Langdon is a super iconic character, and from there on out, whoever whoever Evan Peters played, you were following him. Like he mm-hmm. was also the protagonist of Asylum, or one of the main protagonists. Yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Sarah Paulson, even though this is, like, my least favorite character that Sarah Paulson has done so far. Yeah. Playing old, t- as she's credited in, on IMDb as T.B. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like you've said, I mean, there's just always a level of, like, comfort and excitement when you have the same characters coming back. And, yeah, I'm really excited to watch the next episode. For sure. Um so yeah, 7.5 out of both of us. And that's not like a bad 7.5, um, no. I would say. Just, you know, if you listen to this entire episode, you <laughs> understand why. Like, it's just some things that are just strange. Um, trying to think if we forgot anything. No, I don't think so. Oh, they find, I remember now, because when he asked the police chief about the, the, the crime, he's like, I googled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um He's going for the run on the beach, and he finds those two bodies yeah. that have their insides cut up. Yeah. That confused me, because then he they were gone, right? Yeah. It's just like, the, uh, I guess, detective. <laughs> I don't know how the, the police department works in Cape Cod <laughs> in this uh, season. But he's like, could have been a great white. He's like, I thought great whites, did blah, 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 blah. He's like, ah, I won't know after the autopsy anyway. <laughs> I'm like... Okay, so what what's going on here? This is like so you make an educated guess on what killed these two yeah. people, and then you say, uh, "I won't know until after the autopsy, anyway." And then they just it's left to that. I hope they come back to that because it's just me too. A lot of dead things 
construed throughout this episode between all the roadkill, um, what appear to be these Nosferatu dudes, uh, and these two bodies that washed up on the beach. So, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I'm definitely down to keep reviewing this season um, if we want to do that. But definitely let us know if you're listening, um, if you really enjoyed this episode, what you thought about it. You can tweet at us. My Twitter handle is at Natalie Zamora with two A's at the end. And then Max is at Odd Slice. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back with a new episode next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.